Hey guys, this is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Hey everyone, welcome back to our podcast. And if you didn't know, we are on YouTube. So check us out there, watch the video, like it, and then subscribe so that you can get all the updates when new episodes come out. Well, today we're going to focus on type ones, the principled reformers. You're going to get a fuller understanding of the type ones by using our new proprietary Enneagram information called Enneagram Internal Profile and EIP for short. So in episode 112, we explained what EIP is and how to understand it. If you've missed that episode, be sure to go back there and listen to it. It provides some vital foundation for all of our future episodes. EIP is also the topic of our new book, More Than Your Number. We're so excited. We are super excited about it. It's been, you know, it's something very personal to us. It's been something that we've used in our own personal lives for the last four years and now for it to come about not only on the podcast, but in book form yep. is uh, really a thrill. And so it releases in September. comes out in September. And so you can go and pre-order it now wherever you buy books, um, which uh, we know that you're going to enjoy this. Beth, since EIP is brand new Enneagram concept, uh, why don't you give a quick overview of what is EIP? Okay. Well, we developed EIP to help you and us to see and understand that we're more than just one number or one type. Now, our main Enneagram type definitely is the driving force behind why we think, feel, and behave in particular ways, which is based on our core motivations. But we're not just that type. There are so many parts to our heart and other parts of the Enneagram that are influencing us. So EIP addresses and clarifies the moments when we find ourselves saying stuff like, well, part of me wants to do this, but part of me doesn't want to do that, or part of me is fearful to do it. But I also have a part of me that's feeling courageous to step out and try it. Uh, sometimes I even think of it in terms of parenting. Sometimes I, I show up in different ways in parenting mm-hmm. that, uh, or even in work situations. You might hear it from your friends like, uh, well, I'm, I'm like this at work, but I'm like this at home. Right. Or, wow, I never knew about that part of you. Or that was surprising to me. I've never seen you relate in that way. Yep. Uh, because there are. We're not just one-dimensional. There yeah. are many facets to who we are as people. And that's so good that you said that because when I coach, and, and as we'll go through EIP, a lot of people are going to hear some new Enneagram concepts. When I coach people, especially in marriages or families, I'll be like, okay, well, do you see how your type also brings on the attributes of this type in healthy or unhealthy ways? And it's like, Oh my gosh, you're so right. That yes. really shows up. Or the um, spouse might go, oh, that's why I thought that they were a different type because that part shows up so much more often than I ever recognized. So it's really it, helpful. It is funny in our family. Um, I sometimes can come across more eight-ish, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. but um, my my family makes fun of me because I talk about being mindful of things, Yes, you're very which mindful. is code word for anxiety. <laughs> But my family knows it. Not everybody else understands what I'm actually trying to yeah. to talk about. Well, I mean, like, when it's like, you know, in Paul in Romans 7, he said, you know, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate, I do. And I know I wrestle with that all the time of why can't I just do what I want to do? Why do these other parts of my heart pop up and make things more challenging and conflictual with inside myself. Well, I know as a type six, um, there've been a few times over the past month that I will have a thought that just consumes my mind right before I go to sleep. Oh, and yes, then I yes. can't go to sleep. Like I, 
I don't want that to happen. I I even have to wrestle with what it means to even calm that kind of pattern down. Absolutely. But it just feels intrusive. And it, the reality is, is that even for Paul in that passage, that his uh, confusion and disorientation became the very context where he came to recognize what God has done for him in the person and work of Jesus Christ yeah. now by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So with EIP, you can better understand your inner world and bring that truth that God, that's God's truth to you so that not just your main type has more peace and clarity, but all of your parts have that peace and clarity. Yeah, it becomes an opportunity for self-leadership. Uh, one, there's compassion that we start to understand our hearts. And then number two, we can actually lead these parts. Well, the Enneagram is great because it, the symbol itself helps us to map out the basic parts of our interior world, which includes our main type, our wings, and our paths. And we can access all of these parts in both healthy and unhealthy ways. So in total, there are six parts to the basic EIP. And today we're going to be talking about type 1's EIP. Yeah. But before we jump in, Bethy, why don't you tell us a little bit about the characteristics of a type 1? Yeah, I'd love to. So type 1's are conscientious, they're sensible, ethical, responsible, idealistic, they're serious, uh, they're very self-disciplined and orderly, and they feel personally obligated to improve themselves and the world around them, including other people. And I'm sure those that are in relationships with one know that as well. But internally, type one struggle to believe that they are worthy and good enough because they have this inner critic that is like a megaphone right at their ear, and it's constantly berating at them that they need to fix, that they need to perfect, that they need to make things right, and it just won't relent. Then they think that if I will just fix this, or if I can get someone else to fix it or reform it or make it right, then that inner critic will silence or it will become quieter, but it just doesn't stop. And in fact, a lot of times people think that um, Enneagram type ones are going around looking for all the imperfections in the world, but really what's happening is that the imperfections are leaping out at them and just constantly draining them because it just won't let up. That berating um, and inner critic is just so um, forceful. Now, their focus of attention is seeing errors, mistakes, and problems, and the need to fix them. So they want accuracy. They want to make sure everything is the way it should be. So they, their attention is grabbed into seeing what is wrong. And so that's going to be really hard for others that are in relationship with ones because they're always constantly feeling like, well, is anything good? But what people need to understand is that the ones are getting a hundred, a thousandfold of this inner critic before it begins to come out into the lives of others. Uh, most people don't uh, understand that aspect of the of the type one. They really do think that they're against everybody or trying to correct everyone. When the reality is, they carry a tremendous burden, right? Um, because they 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 live in a fallen world, as we all do, and their response to it is want to bring renewal, to bring life, and to right. bring beauty. Yep. And so these are their efforts in order to do something like that. Yeah. So a lot of their strengths are so amazing. They're self disciplined. They're focused, responsible, very principled, um, and they make the world a better place with high standards, morals, and ethics. So we want to see and admire what they offer the world, but we also know that they have some weaknesses that need to be understood. 
And for them, again, it has to do with things aren't good enough. And they can come in, and when they're not doing well, when their heart isn't aligned with the truth of the gospel, that inner critic is going to basically fill them up so much that it's going to spill out into their relationship with others and, and bring some criticism. As we've talked with ones, the reality is that sometimes they don't even recognize, they can't differentiate between themselves and the inner critic, is that they just become kind of a, a channel for seeing things in the world and then wanting to address it and coach people along in order to address these problems. Yeah. But we also know that type ones, when they're at their best, when they're aligned with the truth of the gospel, they bring great wisdom and insight. They help people by guiding them with this more of a gentleness, a compassion, a respect, but bringing light into a situation that can seem so dark or confusing. And we really love it when type ones show up in this Christ-like manner because they're also going to bring patience while bringing high standards. Okay, so each type has four core motivations, and we always focus on your main type first because it is the driving force behind why you think, feel, and behave in particular ways. So when we start talking about your EIP parts, and today it's type ones, we definitely want to focus on the main type's core motivations. So right now we're going to focus on type one's core motivations to give you a full understanding of where the type ones are naturally coming from. So remember, you have four core motivations, the core fear, and for them, it's being wrong, evil, inappropriate, unredeemable, and corruptible. But then they have a core desire, what they're striving for. And this is to be um, ethical, moral, balanced, good, accurate, virtuous, and right. And they have a core weakness. Now, the other teachers will call this the passion, the deadly sin. Um, but we call it the core weakness because we are weak, but he is strong and his grace is sufficient for us. And this core weakness keeps reminding us that we are dependent on Christ first and foremost. Now, type one's core weakness is resentment. Now, what this really means is that type ones are repressing anger that leads to this continual frustration and dissatisfaction with themselves, others, and the world for not being perfect. Now, their core longing, the message that their heart longs to hear is you are good. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom? From your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90-minute sessions, and there's eight of them. Plus, you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Well, the good news is that Jesus uniquely applies the truth of the gospel to each of the types to fully satisfy their core longing. And for the type ones, 
Here is the gospel truth that God has come into the world to redeem all things. It's not your responsibility to make everything right. He will do that for us. And not only that, but he has also forgiven all of your sins. Not only has he forgiven your sins, but he has given you his righteousness applied to you. And you are his beloved child. And so all of the inclinations to want to make the world right, you can be assured to know that Christ's love and blessings are for you, now given to you by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, which means that you are his beloved child, cherished, cared for. He is making you perfect in Christ. And this understanding allows the type ones, when they get there, to rest in knowing who they are and how God has created them to be, but more importantly, whose they are. You know, one of the interesting things as I think about it is that uh, in Hebrews, the uh, writer there speaks of how Jesus was the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one who has crafted the process, and he is the one, not only did he live the perfect life without sin, but he is also the one who has finished the work on our behalf. And when he said, it is finished, he meant it. And so for the type ones, Christ in some way is the the archetype of the process for what the type one is longing for in their core longing, core motivations. Well, in the past when we've talked about uh, a type being healthy or unhealthy, we actually refer to that being the levels of alignment with the gospel coming from uh, Galatians chapter 2 where Paul says to Peter, you're no longer walking in line with the truth of the gospel. Well, when we're aligned with God's truth, we operate as God's beloved child. We no longer use the strategies of our personality to meet our needs and desires apart from God. Instead, we go to our Father who loves us and will provide for us. But when our hearts are misaligned with the truth of the gospel, we're operating out of our own strength. Both our minds and hearts wander away from fully believing and trusting in what Christ has done for us. And we begin to think that we have to take care of our needs ourselves, which is something that we understand from ones, that they feel alone, that they can't ask for help. But when their hearts are aligned with the truth of the gospel, they actually see themselves more free to ask for help. And when ones are out of alignment, we live as orphans. We really do start to believe that we're alone, reverting to living as if we're totally on our own. The fears and loneliness that cause you to act out in ways, they end up harming your relationships and harming us even individually. But with EIP, this concept is simplified a bit. Instead of three levels of alignment, we're now just referring to these two parts of your main type, the beloved child and the wounded child. The beloved child is aligned with the truth of the gospel. It's when we know who we are and whose we are. The wounded child is misaligned and seeks to live the abandoned life apart from God and apart from others. Beth, why don't you start us off by talking about and defining what does the wounded child look like for the type 1? Yeah. So as a child, type 1s long to hear, you are good, from the authority figures and parents. Now, your wounded child is has made every effort along the way to not be wrong, to not be bad, and to avoid any condemnation and punishment by simply obeying all the rules. Um, in fact, a lot of times uh, for type 1s, you know, parents or teachers or authority figures gave them rules and they're like, the inner critic's like, ah, that's not quite enough. I'm going to make some higher rules, you know, to follow. And they're doing that to really avoid this punishment, this condemnation from authority figures. Um, and so for them, you know, this, there's this resentment within inside themselves 
that, you know, they're not good enough and, or that others aren't good enough, that there's this imperfection. But really, what I really want people to understand is that this resentment is actually deep sorrow, that their wounded child still is longing to know that they are good. They're constantly feeling like they have to be the responsible adult wherever they are. Like no one else is going to do the responsible thing but them. And that's exhausting. It's tiring. And all they want to be is a playful child, but they don't feel like they can. So type one's wounded child part of them falsely believes that when they make mistakes, that means they're bad. And it longs to be free from this berating voice that I talked about, that inner critic, that is absolutely constantly in their ear. And so what they're wanting is to find grace and rest so that they can experience that joyfulness, that abundant life that they so long for. Now, as the wounded child, when they were growing up, they might have had messages playing in their mind that are similar to this. I need to be responsible and I need to fix all the imperfections around me because no one else will. I must always strive for balance, integrity, and to be good. And I must listen and follow whatever my inner critic is telling me. Well, you may be wondering, uh, how do I bring healing to the wounded child part of our hearts? Well, we first need to see that it has good intent to extend compassion and empathy for what it's gone through and learn to befriend it. It's like giving attention to a child that's been harmed, a child that is sad and maybe disorganized in their interior world. And now is the opportunity to give attention to understand uh, what's been, what pain it is carrying and what behaviors have come out of that self-protective behavior. One way to prevent, befriend your uh, wounded child is to simply give it a name. Now that can look a, a lot of different ways, but by naming it, we simply acknowledge its presence and its history. We've named our own wounded child, yeah. right? And yeah. so uh, Beth has little Bethy, and I have Jeffrey. Why? Because it reminds us mm-hmm. of our younger self, that younger self that was vulnerable, hurting, scared, and trying to avoid further harm. You can use a variety of names. You can put uh, adjectives next to it or like the younger Jeff or uh, even you can call it the number. Whatever works for you to give attention to this part of your heart so that you can see it, empathize with it, and offer help towards it. Yeah, I know like for me, you know, just seeing this wounded part of my heart and naming it Little Bethy allowed me to see that this part of my heart um, has a major presence in my life. And by acknowledging it, it, it helps it to feel seen and understood instead of trying to get someone to see it and understand and care for it. And so it's really meant a lot to me to have that language so that I can attune to when it's hurting and know how to help it. Well, so much of our uh, growing up and becoming adults mm-hmm. is that we're not uh, safe or we're, we don't feel the freedom to express need and desire. And so by recognizing the good intent of our wounded child, we affirm that there are needs there before we start getting into mistakes that have been made. I know that as a kid, I often felt overlooked, like I was really scared as a little kid. But all the different language of how I act out, acted out, whether it be tantrums or uh, whether it was wanting different uh, toys or whatever, all of those came out of an anxious heart, but oftentimes it was shamed. And by listening to our wounded child, we actually are saying, 
there is good desire behind it. Right. Now, we may have been acting out on it in unhealthy ways, but the desire is good. So why don't we move on to talk about the type one's beloved child? Yeah. So type one's, your beloved child knows who you are, how you have been created, and then who you are. This is your spirit-led self. It knows that it is free of accusation, condemnation, and the burden to be perfect. And what we love about this part of the type one is that it radiates nobility, generosity, gentleness, and it also experiences this profound connection with others. And what's really fun is that under the leadership of your beloved child, you can now rest and safely admit when you make mistakes because you know that Christ has forgiven you. And it's not licensed to go make mistakes. That's not what we're saying. But there's this freedom in the mercy and the grace and kindness that you have in Christ, which then um, overflows into your relationship with yourself and others, which is so amazing. So a type one's beloved child might say things like this. I can experience joy in a restful childlike heart because all of my sins and mistakes have been forgiven and replaced with Christ's perfect righteousness. Another way that this might show up is a thought like this. Most people are trying their best, and God is ultimately responsible and able to bring about the change that he seeks not only in myself, but also in others and in the world. Or lastly, when I hear the harsh judgments of the inner critic, I can remind myself that the Holy Spirit is kind, gentle, tender, patient. He loves and cares for me. Yeah. I mean, that's what we call gospel self-talk, you know, reminding ourselves of the gospel because our hearts and minds wander from the gospel all the time. I mean, obviously, when we'll be in heaven with him, we won't forget. But here on earth, we're going to forget and our mind is going to wander. And when that happens, you know, we're going to to get off course. We're going to derail. We're going to get out of alignment with the truth of the gospel, and that's going to affect um, all of who we are. And so it's important to do that gospel self-talk and to remind ourselves what's actually true. Well, let's look at a type one's connecting types. Now, this is we're going to broaden it out from their main type and start looking at the wings, uh, the two numbers that are directly next to the main type. Which is, we're now diving into the next component of their EIP. Oh, that's right. So for type 1, the wings are type 2 and type 9. Now remember, your main type 1 core motivations will always be the same. That's what's driving the bus. But your connecting parts will be both positive and negative characteristics to your main type, depending on whether your heart is operating out of the misaligned wounded child or the gospel-aligned beloved child. This is a key concept in understanding how to use EIP well. So, Beth, why don't we start off with talking about type 1 and how the type 2 wing can show up in their life. Yeah, so the type 2 part of their heart is highly relational. And this part of their heart can sense other people's needs and emotions. Um Maybe not as much as an actual type two, but they're starting to really pick up and sense uh, what's needed. And they bring more relational warmth and connection to the type one when they're using this part of their wing. And this wing also supports the type one by giving encouragement to others, but also rolling up their sleeves and making sure things happen. Now, what's cool about this is that they're serving with wisdom. 
they're serving with being practical and principle, which is a really um, great thing. We, we need that in our type ones. You know, what I hear a lot from type ones, whenever they do talk about how they engage with other people, particularly maybe with correcting or criticizing, oftentimes there's a heart of wanting to help people. It's not that they're just offering advice to other people, but they're actually wanting to help people, particularly when uh, something that they're doing may be wrong or self-defeating. Yeah, but we also know that a type 1 can use the type 2 wing in a misaligned way. And some of the characteristics that might come out during that time is that they're going to start to feel rejected and hurt when their helpful support and advice isn't being received and maybe even being completely ignored. And sometimes the reason for that is that it's landing on the other people as criticism or judgment and they don't want it. But the one's heart is like, but I'm trying to help. I'm trying to fix. I'm trying to make better. Um, And so they can become very fixated on the needs, feelings, and imperfections of others without adequately addressing their own needs and emotions. Um, And a lot of times, you know, type ones are much more logical than a type two. So a type one is going to bring logic and move forward with what is right, whereas a type two themselves will come from a feelings direction. But now that this is their wings, they're bringing some of those emotions and feelings, but they're still logical. And people are going to feel that more than a type two. And um, they'll also wish that others are going to return their favor of helping um, by being responsible, by fixing things, by making things right. And they can get really frustrated and hurt that others aren't pulling their own weight. And one of the great benefits of the Type 2 wing is that there's an opportunity to address something that one's uh, oftentimes overlook, and that is emotions. Mm. Twos uh, are in tune with what's actually going on, not only in the room, but can learn to become aware of what's happening inside of themselves. And that actually helps them to be more empathetic. It helps them to be more compassionate to themselves and to others. The two-wing for the type one is a tremendous gift in helping the type one to accomplish and have the kind of relationships that they want with other people. So that's just an example of how the type two wing can show up to protect either the wounded child or it can be uniquely used to help the one to express their beloved child. But Beth, why don't you share some possible examples of how the wing under the leadership of type Mm. one shows up for the beloved child? Yeah, so when a type one is using the beloved child to lead all of their parts, the type two's part is going to come up and be healthy. They don't need those, you know, ill-informed strategies, the defensive mechanisms that they were using. And what you're going to find is a place of rest. They're going to put a a charitable interpretation on the behaviors of others. And they're going to emphasize more that people are trying their best. Now, their best may not be the greatest, but they're seeing it from that lens. They also want to maintain boundaries where they're going to start to say no to certain things that normally they would say, oh, that's my responsibility, or oh, I have to help here, they're going to start to say no, like that's not my responsibility, that's for someone else, and I'm going to trust that God will make that happen, and I'm not going to be pulled and sucked into something that is not mine to own. Now, and they're also going to give support, advice, and unconditional love with no strings attached. Now, that can be hard because the type one wants others to be responsible and get things done. And the type two wants to know that they're appreciated for all the gifts they bring. But here at this healthy place, when they're under the beloved child, they're going to simply give out of the overflow of their heart. 
Now we're going to take a look at the nine wing. So, mm-hmm. Beth, why don't you help us understand how the nine wing shows up for the one? Yeah, so the nine part of their heart is typically non-judgmental. Uh, they want to not have disagreements, to not feel anger, to be upset. They just want to go along, to get along with others, to be kind, to be peaceable, um, and to kind of go against the inner critic so that there's that peace within themselves as well. But when they're misaligned, the type nine part of their wing is going to show up from that wounded child part as well. And they're going to start to forget their own passions. They're going to numb out. They're going to check out because they're afraid that their desires and wants are going to um, come in such a way that's going to actually bring disconnection with others. And it's like, oh, that I just don't want to go there anymore. Maybe if I just forget about it, if I forget what I want and desire, maybe all of that frustration and stuff will go away. So they're going to repress their anger and suppress it even further. Nines are really great at like, it's kind of like a beach ball (laughs) and they just shove that anger down like, oh no, I'm fine. Well, the type ones are going to try to do that again because they don't want to lose connection. And then they're going to quietly dig in their heels and maybe be a little stubborn. I don't know if, Jeff, you've ever noticed that me as a type 9 <laughs> can be stubborn. Yes. Um, yeah, my mom said that when I was little, I was super stubborn. Um, so us 9s can be very stubborn. When we don't want to do something, we're going to dig in our heels. And so the type 1, when they're in this kind of misaligned place with the type 9 wing, they're, you're going to start to see this kind of stubborn resistance, ignoring themselves and trying their best to just keep some peace and stop having this discord. And sometimes they don't even know where it's coming from. They don't know how their talk style and their behaviors come out and affect others. Yes. Well, and just to keep in mind that these two wings is that each type functions out of both wings. It's not just either or. Now, it is true that one may be more used than others, but to recognize for the type one, even if you have a two wing, that the reality is is that this nine part is going to show up in your life and vice versa. So let's go through some possible examples of what it would mean, uh, the types of thoughts that come to mind for a type one within when this wing is starting to show up. Yeah, so when the type one is in a healthy place and the beloved child is leading um, their heart, you're going to see these really amazing characteristics pop up. They're going to be uh, kind. They're going to be compassionate. They're going to be full of understanding and gracious towards, well, themselves, which is really important to hear, but others as well. They're adaptable, they're accommodating, they're more easygoing than being kind of their typical rigid self. Um, And they are able to mediate and harmonize groups and situations and to bring people together um, for peace, but also so that things are done right. It's kind of a combination of the two, which is a really beautiful thing because everyone, we, we do want the world to be peaceable and kind, but also we need structure. We need mm-hmm. discipline. And so for someone to bring both of those qualities in with wisdom is truly amazing. That's right. And that's why we want to be careful that we don't limit ourselves to one wing. Yep. We often hear people talk about wings as if they're a uh, subtype. But for example, if you were introduce yourself as a one with a two wing, mm-hmm. uh, maybe excluding the contribution of your other wing, and this is an opportunity for us to realize that these are both resources for us, both in healthy and unhealthy ways. Yeah, I mean, I love, you know, that's something that you really are passionate about saying because, and we do sometimes use one wing more than the other, but I think a lot of times people get fixated on that and they don't 
then want to recognize how that other wing shows up and where it shows up, whether in healthy and unhealthy ways. So it's really important for us to see both of our wings, to discern and acknowledge when they're showing up and how, and to not be blind to the negative strategies. And it's actually more important that we take the time to see when these negative strategies Mm -hmm. pop up that we're unaware of, because sometimes we're getting stuck in relationships or stuck in life and we kind of throw up our hands like, what is going on? Why is this happening again? And it probably has to do with something that we're unaware of. And so if we can take the time to become aware of where what is happening, what part of my heart is showing up, then we can acknowledge it and work with it. Now, what we also, and this is how we use um, EIP, is we want to recognize, again, that we are already Christ's beloved child. Mm-hmm. No matter what, when we bring in the misalignment or if we're doing really well, all of it is under the umbrella of being in right relationship with Christ because of what he did on our behalf, which allows us to see these not so great parts of our heart yeah. and to freely acknowledge them, bring them back to Christ and walk in the spirit to become yes. more healthy. Well, let's move on to the final two parts mm-hmm. of the type one's EIP, uh, the Enneagram paths. You'll hear others refer to them as lines and arrows. Uh, To find your paths, all you have to do is just look at the lines connected to your main type on the Enneagram symbol. For the type 1, those are the two types, 4 and type Mm 7. And it's common in the basic Enneagram teaching to teach that one path is your healthy path, your growth path, or the other one is your stress path. But we're going to teach something that's a little bit different, and that each of these paths can be accessed in both healthy and unhealthy ways, depending upon whether your heart is operating out of the misaligned wounded child or the aligned beloved child. Yeah, and this is really brand new for a lot of people. And they might kind of push back and be like, wait, what? You know, no, as a type one, I go in this direction when I'm under stress and I go in this direction when I'm doing well, and that's it. And again, we want you guys to be open to learning more because what you're going to find, you're going to see so much more of who you are in healthy and unhealthy um, areas. And again, this is to not bring self-condemnation, fear and shame, but it's to help us to be aware so we can become more aligned and experience the joy and the freedom that we already have in Christ. Yes, that's right. So let's uh, dive into the type four part of a one's heart. So you can go to the type four in both healthy and unhealthy ways, depending on if the wounded child is the one kind of driving the bus in not so great ways, or if the um, beloved part of your heart is in leadership. Okay, so for type ones, when their four part comes in, when it's more misaligned, you're going to see them more in their imaginations and feelings, and they can envision um, an idealistic world. It's the way sort of things interesting should we, be. As we've heard from ones, we realize that they, when their four wing is activated, it's in the past or it's in the future, mm-hmm. versus when it's healthy, it's in the present. That's so, yeah, that's, that's very good. Yeah. And fours typically, so the ones are thinking future, what needs to be right. Fours usually go in the past and, and think through um, what they're missing, what they're lacking. There's something f- uh, fundamentally wrong. And so type ones will bring some of that internally and feel like there's something missing, there's something wrong. And they, they desire to experience this um, more authentic feeling. Um, but it's hard because the fours bring this depth and understanding. And remember, we were talking about ones being more logical. Well, fours want to bring the emotional depth. And usually when the emotional depth shows up for the one, 
It's when they feel misunderstood by others. They can feel resentful and angry that their expectations aren't being fulfilled by others. That, you know, they said, hey, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is the right thing to do. And others do it maybe, you know, not so great or, in a, you know, in a way that's only halfway there. And that can really upset the one and really feel that either they, am I being misunderstood? And it could create them to be a little bit more moody, withdrawn, um, and not that other, others see it. Because <clears throat> ones don't want people to see these imperfections, and sometimes they don't even want to see it themselves. Mm-hmm. But internally, you're going to start to see this kind of emotional moodiness. And they might start to daydream of this idealistic world they want right. and start to uh, pursue it with themselves and others. But when their fore part of their heart is comes under the alignment of the beloved child, you're going to see so many amazing things. They come without judgment, and they're making room for people to express themselves in their most authentic and raw form, knowing that Christ made them exactly that way. They set aside all these to-do lists, and they temporarily slow down and experience the beauty of life and the very moment with themselves, others, and just like the world, like what's happening right then. And then they're also going to be able to sit with people in those more difficult uh, circumstances and situations and just allow the person to be right where they're at instead of trying to fix them or get them to someplace that they think they should be. They're willing to actually be there in the moment, which is a really beautiful thing for the type ones to be. Yes. So the type one's other path is type seven. This part is upbeat, fun, and happy. It sees life as cotton candy, super sweet to the taste, (laughs) but disappears quickly, leaving it unsatisfied and wanting more. It supports your main type by giving you opportunities to break free from responsibilities and the demands of your inner critic so you can enjoy all life has to offer. When your type 7 part is misaligned and trying to protect your wounded child, you may notice some of these thoughts coming to mind, demanding uh, that others meet your needs, criticisms, and desires, finding escape hatches, Mm -hmm. uh, unhealthy indulgences Mm -hmm. from your inner critic and or other responsibilities, to simply distract yourself from the ongoing Mm -hmm. pressures that you face. Uh, It may show up as avoiding feelings of pain, sadness, or disappointment, or find yourself reframing a negative situation to sound more positive. But when your seven part is under a gospel alignment leadership of your beloved child, you may notice some radically different things. You may be experiencing moments of grace and joy, which creates more self-acceptance and acceptance of others. A more enthusiastic, spontaneous, playful, maybe joyful and fun, seeing the world and your circumstances through the lens of an optimistic lens. You may be feeling more relaxed, becoming less rigid, and take great delight in the present moment. Like your wings, your paths can be a liability or they can be a gift depending upon their alignment with the truth of the gospel. That's why we need our our beloved child leading all the parts of our hearts. Yeah, I love that. You know, I think it, it helps us to see that there's more to us than just our That's main right. type, that there's parts of us, like the ones, ones know this about themselves. And a lot of type ones will call that um, part of their heart vacation uh, Beth or, you know, whatever. If, yes. So we have a friend. That Jill. is very common for the ones vacation. Yeah. Brian, you know, like, because Brian uh, Lee is who's on the panel next week that they get to listen to type ones. They call it vacation Brian or like we have a friend, um, 
Danielle, who's a type one, vacation Danielle. And it, this part of their heart comes alive with joy and grace and freedom and delight and spontaneity because they're able to leave those responsibilities that they typically feel so burdened by back at home and they can actually have fun on vacation. And so we want to recognize and see how all of these parts are, are playing a role within us. Um, again, so we can become aware and bring back um, all of these parts into alignment with the beloved child so that they are blessing us, they're blessing others, and they're glorifying God. And so we want you to think of, of your parts as if they're riding on a bus, okay? So I'm going to give you an example. So type ones, you know, your bus, you have the beloved and the wounded child right there. And we want the beloved child to definitely be the one that's driving the bus because your wounded child is this ill-equipped younger part of yourself that you don't want to be driving the bus, right? We don't want like a seven, eight, nine-year-old uh, driving any kind of bus, right? Nor do we want our wings that are misaligned to try to drive the bus. But if the beloved part of our heart goes to the back of the bus and tries to take a nap, like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of tired. I don't know if I really want to be here. And we're not attuned to ourselves. That wisdom and leadership and good driving skills, for that matter, is gone too. And so then the wounded child and all of its parts get anxious, rush to the uh, steering wheel because someone's got to take it. And then they're trying their best to help us. They're trying their best to stay sure. on the road, but they're small, they're little, they, they're ill-equipped. And so you start to find your bus veering off course, weaving around, and it's not helpful to us or to others. So we need to awaken to when things aren't going well and ask why. Curious questions, non-judgmental, to help awaken the beloved child, which is a part of our heart that is aligned with the truth of the gospel, bring that beloved child back up to the driver's seat and to drive the bus with wisdom and insight and care. You know, it is interesting in my own personal practice when there is a sense to where I'm embodying my beloved part, mm-hmm. I'm able to access and lead the various parts of my heart. Yeah. But if I approach my own heart with um, out of the wounded child, I recognize that things are, I'm not able to actually organize. I'm not able to show empathy towards parts. I just increasingly grow anxious. And that's true for all of our top, our parts yeah. and why the beloved part is so significant in the life of self-leadership. And this is hard. This is like not easy stuff. One, to become uh, aware and awakened to what's going on, but also then to lead well. To But what we do know is we have hope. We have hope yes. in Christ. And we can um, rest our, our, our fears into Scripture so that those fears can go aside and can bring um, faith and it can bring hope and assurance to move forward. So, type ones, here's some practical suggestions on how to help yourself to integrate the Enneagram internal profile into your everyday life. You know, we would just recommend that you regularly think, reflect on what it means for you to be an imperfect human, yet spiritually perfect in Christ. So, I mean, just that alone, just take some time. Yes, I'm an imperfect human, yet spiritually perfect in Christ. And this realization can really help set you free and change your perspective on life. And not only that, but one thing that really surprises type ones that is life changing is when I let them know, hey, your inner critic is not the Holy Spirit. And I bet there's a lot of type ones out there right now going, wait, what? No, that's not true. I must follow the inner critic because they are right. And I would just challenge that. Let's 
think through what is the inner critic like? The inner critic is harsh. It's berating. It is mean. It is criticizing. Um, it is unrelenting, judging, con- condemning. What are some other things you can think of? A few things come to mind for me. Uh, one is disharmony. So what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that wage war in your heart? And so there's this idea that the inner critic is putting uh, disharmony and divisiveness. Uh, Christ has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility, Ephesians 2. And, and oftentimes the way that the inner critic speaks, it's either or categories, it's binary, it's not, and it's not inclusive, it's not communal. Um, but then, I, okay, what... So that is kind of a summary of what the inner critic can be like, but what is the Holy Spirit like? Well, the the truth, the reality of the Holy Spirit's role in our lives is to remind us of all the things that Christ has taught us, mm-hmm. uh, and also to not only to convict us of sin and righteousness, but to point us towards Christ. You'll yeah. notice that with the inner critic. The inner critic doesn't move you towards people. It actually moves you against people and against Christ and taking matters into your own hands. And so the role of the Spirit is about harmony. It's about communion. It's Mm -hmm. about connection with other people. And so that's why you see like with the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit being relational terms, whereas the fruits of the flesh are disharmony and harm. It's the fruits of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Gentleness. gentleness and self-control. Right. Yeah. Um, and do we see that in the inner critic? And I'd love for ones to kind of write down like what they, how they experience the inner critic. I mean, just think about what it's like in your relationships where you missed one another and you yeah. feel a little rejected or resentful that they didn't take your advice. And to take uh, account for what was that experience like for them? And was I actually promoting something to connect with the other person or just to criticize them? Well, and Jesus describes his heart as gentle and lowly, and the Holy Spirit is the one that reflects him here on earth with us. Mm-hmm. And so I just really would love for type ones to take the time, and all of us, because we all have an inner critic to some degree, um, to recognize that the inner critic is not the Holy Spirit, and we want to align ourselves with the Holy Spirit. That's where the beloved is full of this peace, this grace, this mm-hmm. acceptance, this love and joy, all the fruits of the spirits that we we're talking about. And so I really just recommend that the ones take a journal and maybe put a line down the middle. And on one side, you know, what is your inner critic like? What is it saying to you and how is it affecting you? But also how do you see the Holy Spirit in scriptures? Name off the characteristics and see the difference between the two and ask the Holy Spirit to make himself more aware and have your heart attuned to what he is like. Well, then as you get to know your EIP parts, feel free to name them so that um, you can see them more as a, a big part of your life. Well, you're able to more quickly access these parts of you and to see whenever they're active. Yeah. And if you need help, connect with one of our certified Enneagram coaches. They would love to help bring some knowledge and insight into these parts of your heart to bring about the transformation you're looking for. And you can find a lot of excellent certified Enneagram coaches at myenneagramcoach.com. That's myenneagramcoach.com. That's where our coach directory is. And then get ready and pre-order our book, More Than Your Number, on Amazon and 
basically everywhere a book is sold. Um, and then continue to listen to these podcasts. The next episode, Jeff and I have the privilege and the honor of interviewing three type ones that you're going to hear some really neat insights. Um, we actually did the interview yesterday um, and had so much fun hearing how they've, well, we had fun hearing how they've grown. I was going to say how they've struggled. We don't Love hearing it, how they struggle. It is a both and. That's but right. we really enjoyed hearing how God has brought them th- each through really difficult circumstances to a place where they're really able to see and tap into their beloved well, child. Well, you're going to see in uh, these type ones the experience of Paul in Romans chapter 7 that we referenced earlier because they're going. To, you're going to see how their pattern of relating to the world uh, actually led to their end, and yet... God met them there to bring them to a much more healthier place. And they're going to have some wonderful stories about what that looks like now versus what it looked like then. Yep. So if you have a type one in your life or, you know, people who love them, be sure to share this episode with them. Yeah, absolutely. And then have them join us next week for listening to the panel. But as always, please remember that the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It is the gospel that transforms us. Thanks for joining us. Bye.